0: We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the
1: Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Onward into our number two, we roll... Appreciate you being with us nine minutes after 10 o'clock on this uh, Tuesday, the 18th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thanks again to Ken Blackwell. Terrific conversation. Last half hour. Looking forward at 1035 this morning to a great conversation with Katrina Pearson, senior advisor to Trump 2020, Trump Pence 2020. It's kind of funny how we just forget about Vice President Pence from time to time. But we should focus on him because we need to focus on his opponent and, of course, uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, and I know we're going to have a great interview now because, well, he's Peter Kersenau And uh, that just kind of comes with the territory. Peter Kersenau joining us once again. He is, of course, a Cleveland attorney, a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is also the host of the Kersenau Report on AM 1420, The Answer, and a columnist for the National Review, among other things. Hey, Pete, how are you this morning? Bob,
2: I'm doing pretty well, although I'm still trying to wake up from the uh, Democratic National Convention. <laughs> it, it's, like, it's like taking an overdose of sleeping pills. It is peculiar. I must give the Democrats credit because this is the first time in my memory, at least, that you could have something that put you to sleep. Yet at the same time irritate and sometimes enrage you. That, that's a pretty that's a pretty good combination. Yeah. of How they
1: were able to do that? They do. They pull that off uh, pull that off very nicely. Uh, President Trump tried to wake everybody up after uh, after that with this. Do you
0: want the failed policies of Mayor Bill De Blasio, or Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago, or Mayor Jacob Fry Brought to every city and town in this nation. If left-wing Democrats can't run a city, why on earth would you let them run your country? We-
1: great question, Peter. It is, I mean, seriously, great. let's look micro and and extend it to macro. All, not some, but all of the cities in which we are seeing this great, dramatic, double-digit increase in shootings... And violence and arson and assault, et cetera, all of them are liberal Democrat cities and not newly elected but longtime liberal Democrat cities. If this is what they do to their own localities, why on earth would we give the same-minded people the control of the country? That's the question that's on most voters' minds
2: right now, and yet the Democrats failed to address it. I think it was... Two major mistakes yesterday Mm -hmm. first is and i didn't watch all of it because there's only so much you can stomach yeah and plus um you know i was sleepy already i didn't want to fall asleep uh before i got up into my bed but uh the fact of the matter is in addition to being extremely tiresome and it feeds this notion what they need to do it seems to me is energize the both the convention and by way of extension, their delegates and then the potential electorate because they already have Sleepy Joe. Okay, I I will say again, Trump has a gift for giving these names. When you first hear it, you go, well, that's not such an impressive name. I mean, that's that's known that really inspired. It's not that funny, Um, but it sticks. He has a way of making you think about things that stick. So you've got sleepy Joe Biden. He's tired. He's forgetful. He is senile. And they have a convention that doesn't dispel any of those things. It feeds into those things. give those, I, I, Given some uh, leeway in that in the time of coronavirus, it would be difficult to put on any kind of a virtual convention and expect it to be exciting. But they really fumbled the ball here and I think emphasized the notion that Joe Biden and the entire Democratic structure is not up to the task, not enough energy. But the second thing is this. For the first time in history, A party has evinced an anti-American tone and agenda. It was truly astonishing to watch. It was a complete detachment by the Democratic Party, not just from reality, but a rejection of the United States its founding, and its heritage, you heard very little pride in country. And for whatever other things you may think about the United States, all the things we've gone through in the last, say, year or so, even four years, Americans still want to, in the main, have pride in their country. And you've got to display that in a convention, even if you're the party that's out of power. That's an essential. But what we had was a clear message here. And and I think they made a mistake because they are so insane in their opposition to Trump that they've conflated that with the United States of America, major league problem, and failed to address the number one issue on everyone's mind, an issue that, in fact, they are most responsible for. That is, they have been fanning the flames of these riots. They have been issuing these false narratives that undergird the riots. It is tantamount to a slow-motion attempt to overthrow everything about the United States of America: its founding, its regime of government, and the way we conduct our business here have for the last 200 years—free enterprise, etc. I think that's not just a profound mistake, but uh, it, is, it is catastrophic because what it does—we'll see. I mean, th- this is a bold prediction, but what it does is it untethers the Democratic Party from. America as we understand it. Now, admittedly, Democrats, the left have done an admirable job, if you're on their side, of infecting virtually all of our institutions with a form of anti-Americanism. And it starts with the educational establishment, where it's extraordinary when you see what students have been learning. And the 1619 Project is merely the culmination of all this toxic uh, instruction that permeates K through 12 in colleges. It, it really is something that should have been pushed back on decades ago, and shame on us for not doing so. But that's why the Democrats have you know the millennial vote the young vote because they've been steeped in this anti americanism so it seems natural to them and they they think they should be rejecting America because it's the worst country in the history of the world right. it's so so nutty uh, so insane, but it has gained some purchase now those people will grow out of it out of it eventually once they become a little bit more mature and once they understand it for the lives that they are, which is another i hope I hate to be jumping around quite like this bob but the and I hate to use the term lies because it it means that you are consciously telling an untruth, and I'd hate to be pejorative, but frankly, it's truthful that it is a lie. Uh, let's just call it a falsehood to be nice.
1: Almost well,
2: the entire uh, evening was filled with falsehoods.
1: Okay, uh, Pete, you you can call them lies. It is exactly what they are. And and what what I want to get your thoughts on, though, Pete, is it's one thing to point out all of the problems with their platform and with what they presented last night. And you did a great job of laying many of those things out. Um, and the fact that they don't denounce the violence. And in fact, they fan the flames, which is important. It's one thing to remain silent. It's another thing to encourage. And that's what they do when they call for defunding of police, when they continue to uh, raise the Black Lives Matter flag. And Michelle Obama made that point again, saying, you know, the highest office in the land cannot simply say the phrase that Black Lives Matter as if it's just a phrase and not an organization. Uh, But it's one thing to condemn and point out all of the falsehoods, as you call them, in them. But... We can't just let them run on, hey, we're not Trump, as if Trump is, is, a, is a non-factor here. We have to highlight what Donald Trump has done. And I find it very you know, illuminating. President Trump on Twitter last night, and I know you don't do Twitter, but you probably read these stories about it. He responded to Michelle Obama by reminding her of this, quote, Somebody please explain to at Michelle Obama that Donald J. Trump would not be here in the beautiful White House if it weren't for the job done by your husband, Barack. Biden was merely an afterthought, a good reason for that very late and unenthusiastic endorsement. Uh, uh, Pete, what Donald Trump did to undo the damage of Barack Obama is something that should be trumpeted by the Republican Party. It should be trumpeted by everybody who believes in American greatness and believes in, in this republic. He rebuilt an economy that was was engaged in the slowest recovery from recession in over 50 years. He rebuilt a military that had been decimated by Obama's prioritization of other things over our military. He, he, provide, he got us out of these terrible international accords like the Iran nuclear deal and the Paris climate accord. Uh, he he you know, uh, instituted tariffs on China to level the playing field in terms of the extraordinary trade imbalance that we had been seeing for decades. I mean, what he has done. He, he rebuilt our relationship with the police after it was so terribly strained under assault, constant assault by Barack Obama. I think the important thing here is not just point out how bad the Democrats are and what a lousy candidate they have. I think it's time to say our president has done a remarkable job, given all of the circumstances he's faced.
2: Yeah. That that last part is also key, Bob, because this president has weathered more criticism, more obstacles, more opposition than any president in our lifetimes. It's not even close. And yet he was able to accomplish economic miracles, foreign policy miracles, trade miracles. Uh, It's... And as you indicated, Trump is a rejection of Barack Obama and everything he stands for. Trump is also a rejection of much of the old inside-the-beltway Republican establishment that infuriated many of us conservatives just as much as the Democratic Party. At least we knew what side they were on. We failed to either recognize or we lived with this This subversion on the part of many inside-the-beltway Republicans, who are now never Trumpers and others, who are doing everything they can to advance their own agenda and initiative, whether it be an intellectual one or a policy one or a financial one, to the detriment of everyday conservatives and, more broadly, the United States of America. Trump showed how shallow and superficial they were. He showed that the inside-the-beltway groupthink was one that kept us... Look at what happened during, you just indicated, the Obama administration. Yeah. Slowest recovery in history. Uh, we were in a state of stasis, rep- with the ignition of Donald Trump's recovery, we took off like a rocket, and only the pandemic leveled that off, and now we are starting to resume that again.
1: Yeah, Donald Trump
2: is the most essential president of our lifetimes.
1: And they're trying, to, uh, they're trying to blame him for the pandemic, and thus, you know, the economic... Uh uh, problems that we have now as a result of it. By the way, Pete, you know, we talk about the, re- uh, you know, the circumstances he was faced with, and you talk about the unprecedented obstruction. Let's not forget the media portion of this. New MRC study was done. That's a media research council. New study was done uh, between June 1st and July 31st. So a full two-month analysis of all news outlets. Donald Trump was covered negatively not twice as many times as Joe Biden Peter not three times as many times uh, as, as much as Joe Biden not even 10 times more than Joe Biden Donald Trump received negative news coverage 150 times more than Joe Biden did during uh, that 2 month period that lets you know all you need to know about the uh, uphill battle that President Trump has faced from uh, this enemy of the people media. We'll talk I'm more about that. that f- I, right? <laughs> uh, we'll get more response from Peter Kersenau on that right after this on AM 1420 The Answer. Okay, I've got 1024. That gives me another six minutes of great commentary from Peter Kersenau. So, Pete, I, uh, I just read that stat to you very quickly. Um, New MRC analysis of all evening news coverage of Donald Trump and uh, former Vice President Joe Biden in June and July found that these networks chose to aim most of their attention and nearly all of their negative coverage on Trump. Biden escaped any scrutiny of his left-wing policy positions, past job performance or character. And Pete, I'm sure that part of that is the fact that Joe Biden wasn't doing anything for two months and counting um, that was newsworthy because he stayed in the basement and out of the spotlight, right?
2: Right. That's exactly right. And it's part of it's a formal part of their strategy. They know they have a highly defective candidate. All due respect, Joe Biden was never a sharp, the sharpest tool to begin with. And I think we've talked about the fact, you know, I remember appearing before him nearly 20 years ago for the first time. And I remember coming back and telling people um, it, it was extraordinary because he really did demonstrate or manifest itself, manf- manifest that he was the dumbest person in the Senate. Uh, it was it, it was amazing to me that he had ever gotten elected. Uh, he has since deteriorated significantly. This is not, I, I am not trying to be mean towards Joe Biden. It's not a matter of partisanship. It's an observation. He purports to be running for the highest office in the land. And I say purports because he's not running. He's in a basement. The media have been sheltering him. He's gotten away with less scrutiny than any presidential candidate in history, or at least in, in terms of, the television age and the radio age, they don't ask him questions. They obediently shuffle out when his handlers say, it's time for you to go, if they pose a question that is as difficult to answer as, what day is it? What day is it? So at some point, though, this strategy the this strategy, I think, is working for him, because as I've said before, I was very skeptical that there were ever going to be any debates, because I believe his handlers are looking at the consequences. Not debating is bad. Debating is worse because he will make a gaffe. Now, I think also the same calculus has been made with respect to his exposure to media. Not being exposed to media is bad, but exposing him is worse because we've seen in the discrete interviews. Remember who he's interviewing with. These are not uh, seasoned, uh, you know. In journalists, people who are used to asking pointed questions, at least of Republicans, he's talking to people who, I, frankly, I've never heard of. But again, you know, I'm an old guy, so. <laughs> but he's 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 talking to these social media folks who are throwing softball and and let's be frank, dumb questions at him, and he's even fumbling those. He, he swings and misses. At some point, I think he can't avoid getting some questions that are going to test his metal, and that's going to be a catastrophe for him. So I think they're going to try to shield him from scrutiny as much as they possibly can, but that works against him also. At some point, as I said before, The broader populace, many of whom may be inclined to give him consideration because, you know, there's a huge swath of people who are still persuaded by the media and what they've heard. And maybe they're kind of on the bubble. Maybe they are are Democrats who, you know, they kind of like what Trump has been saying. But, you know, they've been Democrats for a long time. And if Biden can articulate something that will draw them back within the fold, they'll do so. I think when he gets into a position where he is going to have to sustain responses for a period of time, that he is going to have major gaps. They're going to make people say, okay, I may hate Trump, but it is true that this is the most consequential position in the world, and there are multiple threats out there, including the threats from within. Do I have confidence that this individual who's clearly got mental issues can competently handle those things. And then on top of that, do I have confidence that an entire party that has been invested in anti-Americanism has been promoting riots, lawlessness, and has been saying defund the police, will protect my interests, protect my family, protect my businesses, protect my livelihood? The answer to all those questions at this point is no. And nothing that we saw yesterday, and I project that nothing that we're going to see in the next few days, is going to change their minds about that. There are a lot of people who might otherwise be persuaded to vote against trump because that's what it is you're not voting for biden right um
1: that's, the reason, that's at- the reason in my last question to you last segment was it, it was about, you know, promoting Trump and not just being uh, you know, how bad the Democrats are. We have to remind everybody. Pete, I've only got a minute here. I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, obviously, nobody who's a true Trump train rider is going to be swayed by John Kasich uh, caucusing with Democrats or at least speaking to the convention last night. But are you any, uh, concerned at all in any way that moderate Republicans or just centrists who really don't go one way or the other are going to be swayed by the fact that a prominent Republican governor? Flipped and endorsed Joe Biden.
2: Absolutely not, for a host of reasons. But uh, John Kasich is transparent. He's artificial, and I think most people have labeled him a phony. One quick anecdote. In 2008, I had the privilege of being asked to moderate, host a Republican candidate forum in Columbus for all the top office holders who were then, or or people who were running for top offices, such as governor, secretary of state, senator, so on and so forth. And among the individuals present was Rob Portman, John Husted, Dave, Dave Yost, all of them. All the top Republicans were there, and I would ask them some questions, they would respond to the audience, and... Uh, I was impressed by all of them. I liked all of them. They were very personable. You know, and there's, there's degrees as to whether or not you think these people are the best people that we can possibly put forward for a position. But I, I thought that they were all very competent, all very personable, good guys. And uh, then the last person was John Kasich. Um, I will just say this very briefly, that when I came back to Cleveland, this was down in Columbus, when I came back to Cleveland, I must have been yammering for about two months straight at but, at my complete and Utter dismay with John Kasich, and, and I'm putting that very mildly. I mentioned that he wasn't conservative to begin with. I thought he was a phony, and I also thought that there was something about him that was—I don't know—I didn't trust him. And everything that I saw then is being manifest right now. He doesn't move the needle at all, because I think people have taken the measure of John Kasich.
1: Your instincts were perfect at the time, and I think you're 100% right, and it's bearing itself out right now. Peter Kersenow, always a pleasure. Thank you for the great political analysis. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Bob. Peter Kersenow on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll take our time out for news, and on the flip side of that, senior advisor to Trump-Pence 2020 Katrina Pearson joins us on AM 1420, The Answer.
0: of Democrats. Please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness
1: goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And it is now 1036. Thanks for being with us. A little programming note uh katrina pearson we had a little bit of a scheduling snafu and a double booking so she is going to be joining us on tomorrow's program rather than now that's the bad news but you know with bad news always comes around the good news and the good news for you is we have time for your phone calls after all 216-901-0945 or triple eight we'll get you up on the air on either one of those numbers when you are ready to dial uh, meantime, this does give me an opportunity to hit a couple of more responses to last night's DNC, round one. Uh, hold on, Mr. President. Hold on, Mr. President. Let's get, you, uh, let's get you potted up properly there. This is President Trump. This actually wasn't a response. He was on the tarmac uh, prior to the convention, but uh, it's important to hear. He
0: is just a Trojan horse for socialism. He is. He's a Trojan horse. He has no clue, but the people around him are tough and they're smart. But we disagree with them very, very strongly. They're mean and they're
1: angry like her. He is a Trojan horse for socialism. It's a great metaphor. Really, it is to say that Donald Trump is a, is a Trojan horse be, or excuse me, Joe Biden is a Trojan horse because he doesn't know what he's being used for. You know what I mean? Uh, in, in the story, obviously, of the Trojan horse, the soldiers hid inside the big wooden horse, then offered it as a gift to their enemies. They took it inside the gates, and then while everybody slept, uh, they came out and boom. Joe Biden is like that, that inanimate wooden horse, and he is being ridden into the gates of this country, essentially, by the socialists who will then come out uh, and destroy it come out of the uh, Trojan horse, in other words, kick uh, uh, Joe Biden to the side and let somebody like Kamala Harris uh, lead the destruction of this country. Kamala Harris has a lot more in common with Bernie Sanders than she does with Joe Biden. Uh, She has a lot more in common as the most far-left senator, honestly, uh, uh, including Bernie Sanders, strangely enough, the patron saint of socialism in this country. But uh, she she has far more sign on to the Green New Deal, oppose fracking, support Medicare for all, um, you know, open borders, get rid of sanctuary cities, the whole nine yards. She is as far left as it gets. And she would be the vessel, essentially, that the socialists would ride to their dream of destroying the capitalist country that we have. Joe Biden bringing her along inside or on the ticket, if you will, is the Trojan horse that she is riding. Um, and it's pretty important that you understand that. There is no such thing as moderate. There's no such thing as moderate when it comes to uh, uh, Kamala Harris. Nothing at all. And Donald Trump Jr. was asked about that also on Hannity, about the moderate label that the Democrats want to give Kamala Harris and, quite frankly, the Biden-Harris ticket.
3: That is the perfect example. You can have a candidate that wants to replace the pre- president of the United States. He refuses to speak to anyone in the press. He's incapable of getting through a press conference. When he speaks to a group of 10 people, he needs a teleprompter, and he still screws that up. I mean, it's mind-boggling. And by the way, no one in the press says anything. They're, oh, this is perfectly normal. This is you know Joe Biden. I mean, when you have clear cognitive decline like this, they run him because the media can try to sell to middle America that this guy is somehow a moderate. But you're not a moderate if you're appointing O'Rourke as your guns are. You're not a moderate if you're appointing Kamala Harris as your VP who has the most liberal record in the Senate. You're not a moderate if you put the uh, Bernie Sanders joint unity platform on your website because it's the communist manifesto of the new age, Sean. There's nothing moderate about Biden, but the media is going to give him billions Billions worth of free coverage, hiding his obvious flaws, hiding the graft of his family, hiding the 50 years of bad decisions that he's made in Washington, D.C. as a swamp creature for half a century.
1: Everything that uh, Donald Trump Jr. just said will be dismissed by the mainstream media, but it is 100% accurate. There is nothing moderate about this ticket. As much as they want to try to sell you, there is, what did uh, the New York Times call Kamala? Uh, the uh, the pragmatic moderate she comes from the moderate wing of the Democrat Party. She is as radical as it gets and don't listen to me. Don't trust my words about Kamala Harris's uh, um, uh, radicalism as she hides as a moderate. Let's let her words show you how radical she is. This
3: election in November is going to be about our literally our health and whether we live or die. Thank you guys. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. She, her, and hers.
2: Mine too. So I decided I was going to start prosecuting parents for truancy. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid really bad decisions do you believe that Americans should have the right to vote at age 16 i'm really interested in having that conversation
3: convicted in prison like the boston marathon bomber on death row people who are convicted of sexual assault they should be able to vote
0: i think we should have that conversation
3: she thinks we should do away with the electoral college is is that do you agree with that
2: i think that it's i'm open to the discussion i am prepared to get rid of the filibuster to pass
3: a Green New Deal. But would you support changing the dietary guidelines? The, the, yes. The, you know, the food pyramid. People are yes, to, yes. To reduce and red meat specifically. Yes, I would. So would you ban offshore drilling? Yes. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Assault weapons right. that are
2: already in circulation, what do you do about those? It, we have to have a buyback program, and I support a mandatory buyback program. <laughs> 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 you, <know. laughs> victory,
3: that you have a Republican like... Lamar- Great. Kamala Harris calling the attack an attempted modern-day lynching. Which tweet? What tweet? Uh, the about
2: Jesse Smollett. <laughs> um, I, I, okay, so I will say this about that case. I think that the facts are still unfolding.
0: Senator, do you have any comments on Jesse Smollett? Do you have any comments about? All right.
3: Any comment on Smollett's case, please?
1: She is as wildly radical of a leftist as Alexandria D'Amasio-Cortez is. And she is in line to be the next president of the United States. I didn't misspeak. I'm going to continue to remind you of this. Joe Biden cannot, will be mentally and cognitively incapable of finishing a first term. She will be president of the United States if the Biden-Harris ticket wins. And she is as radical as radical can be. You heard her. That's just a short, what, uh, minute 40 clip of all of the things that she would ban. Big government taking away your liberties. Straws? Gone. Food pyramid? Changed. Red meat? Gone. Guns? Gone. Medicare for all? Yes. Borders, gone. Sanctuary cities, supported. Green New Deal, oil, natural gas, fracking, bye-bye. I mean, it doesn't get any more radical. She's, she's the female Bernie Sanders. She's the uh, elderly uh, compared to, uh, but elderly version of uh, Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, and they want to sell her as a moderate? Please. David is in uh, LaGrange, and he's now on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, David. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead.
3: Okay, Bob. These so-called peaceful protesters, you know, the ones who are burning down businesses, dragging people from cars and assaulting them. Yeah,
1: but they're doing it peacefully. It's peaceful arson, and it's peaceful assault. Remember that.
3: Well, the ones that it's happening to and that it's going to happen to, people need to realize it doesn't matter your party affiliation. You're going to get your business burned down, your home, and you're going to get dragged from your car and assaulted regardless of your party affiliation.
1: Yeah, and regardless of your race. You know, Black, black Lives Matter burned down black businesses in Minneapolis, for crying out loud, and in Seattle and in Portland and other places. They, I mean, they don't care. It is about destruction and anarchy. Anarchy can only happen when there's literally no control. They have to overwhelm the police resources. They have to overwhelm emergency responders. And they do that by destroying everything they see. And that includes, like you said, people who are of the same mindset, the same party affiliation, same race. It doesn't matter. Their goal is to create chaos and anarchy in our streets so that we can, uh, so that the social order will be broken down. And then they can rebuild it in the image that they want.
3: And unfortunately, it may have to take someone's uh, business getting burned down, assaulted, to have a wake-up call about all this.
1: Well, that's already happening, my friend. Uh, and we still don't have that wake. Thanks for the call, David. We still don't have that wake-up call nearly, you know, in nearly enough places. Um, I mean, yeah, there are some, but it's gonna. You know what? It's gonna have to happen. What's gonna have to happen, really? I think is that it's gonna have to. And I hate to say this because it. It makes it sound like this is what I want to happen, but obviously I don't. But what Donald Trump Jr. said earlier when I played the other clip for you this morning um, about it coming into the suburbs, it's only going to be a short matter of time before it reaches your neighborhood. The violence, the assault, the burning, the looting, the destruction that's happening in the inner cities is coming to your neighborhood at some point. It's not just
3: happening in these big cities. It's only a matter of time till the Democrats who are literally siding with criminals and offenders over law-abiding, tax-paying citizens, till this comes into your backyard, Sean. It's inevitable. They're incapable of pushing back against the bad guys.
1: I mean, he, how do you disagree with that? It's impossible to disagree with that. Because if it was possible to push back against the bad guys, then it would be being done. But they don't want to. And why, Donald Trump Jr., why don't the liberal Democrat leaders in these cities want to push back against the bad guys? Why? That's their you know, base. I, 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 Because that's their base. That's their base. You look at a map at where the most violence is happening on the west coast, particularly up in the Pacific Northwest. But you look at Seattle, you look at Portland, you go down a little bit further south to uh, Oakland. Go down a little further south, down the west coast to Los Angeles. Move yourself a little bit further to the uh, to the east and look at places like Denver. Look at places like Minneapolis up in the Great White North. Uh, come, uh, keep on coming, and go to go south, go down into the Southwest to Austin, Texas. Go a little bit further east into what we call our Midwest to Cleveland, to Cincinnati to Chicago. How did I bypass Chicago on my way east? I apologize for that. All the way to the east coast in New York. Every single one of the cities that I'm mentioning to you is liberal Democrat run. Not some of them. All of them. Liberal Democrat run. And what are they doing to stop the violence? What are they doing to protect the citizenry? What are they doing to protect black lives that are being destroyed by this violence? When you Destroy buildings and businesses in inner cities in particular, making them unusable, making them, uh, you know, un, uh, unworkable. Shutting them down, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. You're putting black workers out of business. This is, these are their neighborhoods. These are their communities. Do their lives matter? Not to mention, obviously, the people who are actually assaulted, including police officers, African-Americans assaulted by Black Lives Matter protesters and by white liberals wearing Antifa gear. This is what they do. Black lives don't matter to these people. Anarchy, insurrection, that's what matters to these people. And how do we know that they, 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 you know, that they support this? Because not only do they not decry it, Liberal Democrat elected officials, they don't just decry it and call for an end to it, they actually publicly applaud it. Listen to one of the squids, Representative Ayanna Presley, as she applauds the rioters in places like Portland
3: for rising up. Right now, we are managing against converging public health and economic crises amid a national reckoning on racial injustice in this country. Communities from Boston to Portland and everywhere in between are rising up to demand accountability and divestment from broken systems.
1: Communities from Boston to Portland are rising up to demand accountability. What is Portland doing? Portland is dragging white people out of their vans and beating them senseless and unconscious for being white in the wrong place. What is Portland rising up look like? What does it look like? Portland is burning buildings and businesses owned and run by minorities. What does Portland rising up look like? Portland rising up looks like setting fire to police unions and police precincts. What does rising up look like? It looks like anarchy and an end to the United States, which is exactly what liberal Democrats, especially like those members of the squids, Cortez, Sharia Tlaib, Jihad Omar, and yes, Ayanna Presley, who seems to have more in common with Asada Shakur than she does with uh, somebody like Rosa Parks. Final segment coming up on AM 1420 The Answer. Final segment of the morning underway. Uh, I want to remind you, if you have not yet seen it, I don't know what you're waiting for. Uncle Tom, the movie, at UncleTom.com. Watch it. Bring some friends around. Watch it with them. Save 20% off the uh, download price with the promo code Cleveland and uh, see the movie that leftist Democrats do not want you to see. They don't want you to hear African-American conservatives telling you the truth. They don't want to hear... From conservative black people telling you about the lies about the history of the Democrat Party, they don't want to hear you. They don't want you to hear Larry Elder and Candace Owens and the late Herman Cain and Brandon Tatum and so many others. They don't want you to know the truth that Joe Biden is a liar when he says things like that. What you
0: all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African American community with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things.
1: Believe it or not, yes, uh, racists like Joe Biden don't think that black people can think differently. Black people are all alike. Joe Biden is wrong. Because black people do think differently. They have independent minds, and they have the ability to process and think for themselves. And those that really study the history of the Democrat Party, black and white, come to the conclusion and come to the realization that liberal Democrats are not looking out for the best interests of black America. That's what all of the people in the movie Uncle Tom learned, and they want to share it with you. UncleTom.com. TJ is in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ. What's up, bud? Hi, Bob. You know, Bob, a few years ago, they had the state attorney general from Wisconsin on a radio talk show. Yeah. And he was talking about their state fair. Uh, there were groups outside the state fair that were pulling people out of their vehicles and beating the hell out of them. And he, then he said, you know, we just passed the right to carry law. He says, but unfortunately for these people, the law was passed a week too late. Now, it's been reported this. Kamala Harris made the statement that once they dispose of Trump, now it's time to go after all of his supporters. And what did she say? The nation will uncover every rock, every stone, till they get every one of them. Yeah, don't buy that, TJ. Don't buy I'm that. I'm hoping that's not true. Yeah, no. If it is, you know, we're looking at a, a serious civil war coming up. Here. I've seen that comment, um, and people have sent it to me, and I've looked it up, and I have found the context and everything else. And like so many other things on the internet, you know, people just twist things or do things or say things that are not accurate, and and I always push back against that because you know what, TJ, the civil war you fear is coming anyway, we, and and it's coming because of the things that she and they have said and she and they do stand for so badly that we don't need to make up things (laughs) for them to say because what they say in reality is bad enough. And that is how they feel about you, TJ. They are coming for you. They are coming for me. I mean, for crying out loud, they literally say, even Nancy Pelosi has said, that Trump supporters... And Hillary Clinton used the word deplorable. Trump supporters are deplorable. Trump supporters, conservative believers in American greatness and American exceptionalism and American pride and liberty and the pursuit of the American dream and all of the rest. Those people are racists and bigots. If you support Trump, that's who and what you are. So if you don't think they're coming for you, of course they're coming for you. That's why... Kamala Harris, since you brought her up, has said that absolutely we need a gun buyback because we need to take these guns out of the hands of these Trump supporters. We don't have to make stuff up. What they say in reality is enough. Thanks to my guests today. Appreciate uh, them coming on. Thanks to Derek and Marcy for running the show, and thanks to you for listening. Be with us tomorrow when Katrina Pearson will be with us. Promise on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike Gallagher's next. Have a safe day. Bye-bye.